tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Keep playing. Keep working. Keep going. And keep moving with the exceptional orthopedic care at Baptist Health. With an experienced team and a full line of advanced services and procedures, it's no wonder most people choose Baptist to help them keep on keeping on. Visit baptisthealth.com slash ortho to find a Baptist Health provider. And Spencer Brown, our producer. Once again, he's back in the saddle. Feels like it's been forever since you've been on the show, Spence. He's back again. And Casey Whitfield is here uh, to join in on this final soccer city of the year. Tell you what, guys, this year, this time of year is terrible. One, because soccer season is over. And two, because it's six o'clock and it's dark outside. I hate both of those things. Man, that is a double whammy. Is, is Benton's mic on, Spence? I have no idea. Like it. it is. Okay. Anyway, um, where should we start? We should start last week, right? Eastern Conference Final, Loose City at the Charleston Battery. Loose City was second best the entire game, in my estimation. Feel free to disagree with that assessment. And ultimately went down. And their season ended in the Eastern Conference Final, a ninth straight Eastern Conference Final appearance. But they couldn't make it back-to-back Eastern Conference Championships. Couldn't make it back-to-back appearances in the USL Championship Final. What were your thoughts on the game? Benton, I'll start with you. You were there in person. You made the trip out to South Carolina. You were in the stands, saw the game firsthand. What did you think of Lou City's performance, of the results, of the game in general, of the fact that Lou City lost to Ben Pierman, that snake, which is your thoughts, not mine, I'm saying. Your thoughts, not mine. <laughs> well, first off, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think the, the better team won. I don't think... There's drastic margins. I think Louisville City played all, all right, but not like not to the level that they they needed to. It ultimately came down to um, to critical moments, and that's something that that Coach Cruz mentioned after the match in his uh, um, in his presser. Like it was just a few small moments that ended up costing the team. And offensively, you know, they they really struggled. And I think that was like this game was a good summary of the season as whole. By and large, I thought the defense did did fairly well. You know, again, outside of giving up a you know that free kick outside the box and give up a PK. Other than that, I felt they were pretty sound. But offensively, they just really couldn't get much going at all, and um, you know couldn't find the back of the net. So um, I'm happy the team made it as far as they did, especially considering the the ups and the downs of this season. But I got my hopes up in this playoff run. So yeah, it was, <laughs> of course you did. I, I was, of course you did. <laughs> I, you know it was. It was it wasn't until like they, they picked up some momentum. I was all full back in, in positivity mode and just to be crushed again with defeat. But you know, I'm I'm happy that we've made it this far. Well, all right. Score finished two to one. Charleston scored five minutes in on a perfect free kick that was given up by Louisville City by Brian Ombi, who committed the foul. Uh, Charleston added a second goal on a penalty in the 58th minute, right when you felt like Louisville City had some momentum heading in their way. You thought they had the real opportunity to score. They had like four or five corners, it felt like, in a row, back to back to back to back in that opening 20 minutes of the second half. Then a penalty goes against them. Augustine Williams puts it away. It's 2 nothing. Then a red card to Carlos Mogel Jr. And then Louisville City did get a goal back in stoppage time from Kyle Adams, but it wasn't enough ultimately to forge the entire comeback and uh, they ultimately lose. Uh, to your point, Benton offensively, just three shots on target all night for Louisville City. Um, to be fair, and also to the point you made, Charleston wasn't much better. Matter of fact, they were worse in that category. Only two shots on target all night. Uh, Casey, what would you make of the game? Yeah, I mean, I think I completely agree. Charleston was end-to-end the better team. They put forward the effort the entire match. I feel like Louisville City showed spells of where they looked really great, of where they had momentum going their direction, especially at the very end of the game. But it's hard when you're already down a man 
you're, you were down two goals. You were able to get one back. But overall on the night, I just don't think it was Louisville City's night. And it, it's unfortunate, you know, that it, it ended that way. But the way I see it, to be able to make it to a ninth straight Eastern Conference final after the season that they had. I mean, you got to be pleased with it. Well, that's that's where I'm going to go with the conversation. I think we're all in agree, uh, agreement, rather, that it was a deserved result yes. on the night that they were they lost the game, right? I mean, Benton, I guess you're you're kind of making the point maybe that it wasn't so deserved because neither no. team was particularly spectacular. No, I, I, no, I, I agree. I okay, just, I I don't. I th- I think they were the better team. They they deserve the victory in the run of play, but I think. I think the lack of shots is really comes down to both teams' preparation and respect for one another. I think, sure. again, like I, I, I think it was a, a hard-fought, close match. They were just a slightly better team, and it reflected in the scoreline. Well, all right, so let's, but let's change the conversation a bit to where Casey was going. Are you disappointed with that result, given all the context of the season, given the fact that this was as down of a Louisville City season as we've ever had, but yet they made another run to the Eastern Conference Final? Do we wash away the woes and disappointment of nine months because they won... They won one game in penalties, won another game against an, an outman team in Detroit, and then ultimately lost to Charleston. Does it? Fair question to anybody. Does it? Does it, it make? Like does it wash away the feeling. sins? <laughs> I, I guess so. I'm not trying to, to sell it, but but so if if you're if you're talking like big picture, like how do you know, how do you rate the season? Was it a success or not? I think there's there's going to be two different kind of viewpoints here. One is going to be uh, you know be that of the team, the fact that they were that they didn't win the championship you know that's that's a not that's a non-starter for them it was instantly not a success um from where i'm i'm sitting however like all things considered they they hit the the bar that we have all come to expect the team to hit and make in the eastern conference finals now was it the the prettiest path to that absolutely not i still think there's a, there's there's a lot of uh, room for improvement there but um at the end of the day they they won when they really needed to and got us to the point that we've we've become accustomed to to getting to. So um, success is a strong word, but it, I don't think it was a failure. How about I'll, that? I'll say yes. The season was a success, but there were some serious cracks in the foundation Absolutely. of Louisville City that were exposed a little bit this year, and I don't think that Louisville City can trot out the same team and have different results next year necessarily. Maybe. I mean, because we've seen this team one of two ways now, right? We saw this group of guys a year ago dominate everybody pretty much, make a run all the way to the USL Championship Final, fell just short on the road at San Antonio, and then we saw them this year amid injuries, which should be pointed out. I think injuries are as as big a part of this season as anything, but ultimately kind of just slog through the year and then catch lightning in a bottle a little bit over a couple of weeks in the postseason, make it to another Eastern Conference final, but ultimately not come through. Casey, what do you think? Is this result, making it to the Eastern Conference final, you got to be pleased with that fact. Absolutely, yeah. With the fact that they made it, but the manner in which they made it, maybe is is where they fell short this season, I would say. Well, and that's where I'm like, I've been going back and forth in my head. I'm like, this is a really tough question to answer because clearly they, they made it to the Eastern Conference Final. That is wonderful. You know, they didn't have the best of seasons, but does the result necessarily determine the whole season as success? And that's where I'm not really sure because they were successful and it was great. And I'm really happy with that. But I think that there's a lot of things that didn't really go the way that we're used to and kind of the standard that we're up to. And I do think that there are changes that need to be made. But then again, like, I'm happy that we made it where we did. So it's it's just kind of tough. You sound very conflicted. I, I, I literally have been going back and forth in my head because it, it is a tough conversation. But then you also have to think about it. Nine straight Eastern Conference finals, and we've only won, what, four of them? Yeah. So we are, we're not even at, like, 50%. So, like, yeah, we're making it there, but... Is that good enough now even like anymore like just to make it there or should we start being like we have to win it now are, are they a victim of their own success is right. what you're saying yeah. right so it's 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 really tough and I'm having a hard time trying to fully answer that question I think it is but then I think a lot of things need to change 
here's I think here's a good parallel to put things in perspective. So in the match, we were ta- uh, you know, I mentioned the critical moments, right? Like a lot of the match was fairly even, except for kind of a, a few odd moments end up defining things. I mean, that's kind of how you can look at the season big picture as well. I mean, at the end of the yeah, day, I think that's a good way to see at it. At the end of the day. All you really have to do is make the playoffs. Like that is the that is like the bare minimum to have a shot at winning a trophy. And that the team did that was it as comfortable as we're used to? Absolutely not. But also keep in mind this is a season that a lot of other teams would have killed the half. And this is our down year. We were complaining. We were upset. Like, and I don't <laughs> think we're completely wrong for doing so. But like, greater context, like there's other teams that would have loved to have been in our spot. Well, I said it to and you before this year, Benton. This is the life I've grown accustomed I know, to. I know, and I'm not saying you should, you should change that. But again, they in the big picture of the season, they won those critical moments. When it came to the playoffs, they found a way to win. Again, not always the prettiest, but they got the, you know they were getting the job done. So, I, in some ways, I think that those playoff matches and, and the playoff runs should be weighed a little bit heavier than than some you know aspects of, the negative aspects of the regular season. Not saying that we shouldn't be concerned or have, take issue with them, but I think it's worth a lot that they won when they absolutely had to. I I think that's a good point, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to rub a little salt in the wound uh, for of everybody right now, Louisville City fans and the three of us in this room. <laughs> Phoenix won out west. I know! Phoenix won out west. We could have had a home title game on Sunday night waiting for us in just a couple of days. We could have been talking about a jam-packed, sold-out Lynn Family Stadium on ESPN2 on national TV against Phoenix, a very beatable team, a rematch of 2018. We could have had all the storylines this week, all the excitement. And it didn't happen. I, I, I think I'm in the minority here, but I, I even when I saw that come through, I just didn't really like phase me all that much. Well, because they'd already lost at well, that no, point. No, Lucid no, was already no, out no, at that because point. Because it's very much a mentality of that was looking past Charleston. Oh, if we won, yeah, yeah, if we won, like uh, you know, every team could say could say that. Like that was a, I thought it was a very good team we played against, and, and we weren't the better team. You know, it, it would have been different. I think if we felt robbed or or hard done by something, then you could have played this would have should have game, but. On that note, though, of the final Charleston against Phoenix, one, do we care? Two, if we do care, who do we want to win? Three, who do we think will win? Casey, any thoughts? I know that does hit you with three, three, <laughs> three punches. big questions. Bing, 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 real quick, so you got to collect yourself. Um, I don't really necessarily think that there is a team I really want to win between the two. I mean, I, I think it's a great opportunity. My perspective kind of shifts a little bit more towards Charleston just because it's kind of like it's been so long since they've been there it's great for the Eastern Conference I think the Eastern Conference was a really tough conference this year um they're going to be at home playing against their home fans they looked really good last weekend against us so I think I would just kind of have to stay with Eastern Conference and go with Charleston but if Phoenix were to win I wouldn't be too upset I mean I don't I don't really have a whole lot of say, I guess. I don't feel like watching the University of Charleston soccer field on TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where it's going to be, though. 3,000 people in attendance. That's where it's going to be, though. Here's what's notable, though, about Charleston. You talked about kind of putting in the context of the East, Casey. Again, we talked about this in the lead-up to the Tampa Bay game in the season finale, but this is the first year that a team not named Tampa Bay or Louisville City has represented the Eastern Conference in the championship game since... Anybody want to take a guess real quick? I got it on my head here. Anybody? Once, twice? The Rochester Rhinos. Oh, wow. Right? Or no, the New York Red Bulls, too. I beg your pardon. New York Red Bulls, too, in 2016. Rhinos were in 15. New York Red Bulls, too, 2016. Point being, it's been since 2016 that that's somebody some, other some than time. Louisville City or Tampa Bay... You need to get your USL history right. I know, I know. I'm terrible, right? <laughs> Amateur hour. It's, 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 it's a joke. It's a joke. But it's been since 2016. Seven years of Lou City, Tampa Bay dominance. Now we got a new, some new blood in the, in the final. A new Eastern Conference champion adds to the, the narrative and the excitement and the competitiveness of the conference next year, right? Now we got to deal with Charleston as a real legit threat. They've not been a threat ever in Louisville City's history. They've not been a good team ever in Louisville City's history, really. They've been in the playoffs now three times, right? But Charleston's been a a bottom feeder in the East for a decade. So now it's now it's Lou City, now it's Tampa Bay, now it's Charleston. You got Detroit kind of hanging around as an annoying, annoying team out there, even though they're not very good. It makes it a more interesting Eastern Conference next year, Benton. I know you're kind of you're kind of grimacing at this thought of me saying Charleston winning is a good thing. 
But that's kind of what I'm saying, I'm in a way. I'm absolutely not going to cheer. There's a on, silver lining, at least. The fact that they're they're competitive, I think, I just it does add some extra extra spice to the Eastern Conference, and I like that. And you know, being a Bengals fan, I'm already natively inclined to hate the black and yellow color scheme. So it, it just goes really well with my DNA. And then yet in the fact that Ben Pierman is a is a character. <laughs> Oh, right, we, we've talked about him ad nauseum. I don't even well, want to talk but, about that. Well, you you came in to the studio today before we did the show talking about what he was wearing on the sideline. <laughs> you were sending me pictures of him in the game, saying, "Look at this guy! Look at Ben Pierman!" Oh, oh, no. I, I sent you one because he's doing that Greg Berhalter uh, dressing up, trying too hard on the on wearing the wearing thing. like cool sneakers with with a tracksuit or something. Is that? Yeah, like dude, we're like in our mid thirties, just like dressed like a real coach. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> but, I mean, d- d- does that not excite you next year, right, as suddenly Charleston? Ben Pierman's been out here saying, look, Lou City's the champions. The league wants them to succeed. They've got the best stadium in the league. The league's going to take their side. Well, not true anymore, yeah. bub, because you took their title. So let's see what he has to say next year. So there was a void when FC Cincinnati left the league. The, the, the role of the heel, the bad guy, the yeah. villain in Detroit – has absolutely done a great job of filling that role. But, but the not, team hasn't been good they're enough. Not, they're not good. Yeah. They're, they're bad. They're not good. Like, we beat them 4-0 in the playoffs. They shouldn't have been there. Charleston, on the other hand, they're a good team. So, yeah, I mean, from a storyline perspective, it absolutely does add to, like, the narrative. It makes things more fun, right? Like, Because, I mean, how excited can you really get against a match against, like, Tulsa? Like, what defining characteristic about their club, their team, their coach, any aspect of that, a club like that? Like, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. They don't have a defining characteristic exactly. because... At every, every place in the USL, more or less, aside from Lou City and aside from a couple other spots, the roster changes almost entirely year to year. The coaches are in and out the door all the time. And this is my own personal bias here. The name is FC Tulsa. There's not even an identity within the name. It's just a team. It's just a city name coming into town. Their branding is fun. I'll give them that. But besides that, like, there's just like, if from a story, like, is a storyline goes like there's there's not much there there's not much there but now we have extra narrative next year extra storylines tampa the tampa game tampa Tampa bay is a rivalry built on respect indy 11 is a rivalry built on geography detroit is a rivalry built on the obnoxiousness of their fans and charleston's now a rivalry built on the one the quality of the teams the high stakes game they played this year and the fact that the coaches have had some words to say about each other what about pittsburgh coming in and beating us and you know our stadium opener too i think that's one that kind of has another narrative with it as well and pittsburgh with a legendary coach and a successful run last couple years regular season champs this year they were upset in the first round of the playoffs literally by by math by statistics by point total in the standings the biggest upset in the history of the usl which is a league that is older than mls right it's been around 30 some years back to 91 the usl has existed no team has been further behind their opponent in the playoffs in terms of where they finished in the regular season standings by point total than detroit was when they beat pittsburgh in the first round of the playoffs so there's another narrative uh next year pittsburgh to your point casey um the offseason that is where we turn our attention now it kind of ties into the conversation we've been having about was this year a success? Was it a, dipo- a disappointment? Was Did the end justify the, the means of getting to the Eastern Conference Final? So the question I have to both of you will be, what changes do we think are coming in the offseason? Though we do have some context we need to give before we get into that conversation. What we're hearing is that there will not be wholesale changes to this Louisville City team. A significant core of the team will be coming back next year. Um, a lot of familiar faces and names will be signing new deals to be announced soon. And there are several guys that are already on deals the last through next year, which we will get all into. Um, so don't expect a whole lot of change from this Louisville City team, though there are exit meetings happening right now, today and tomorrow. The teams are the players are meeting with the coaches and the staff to you know organize how they're going to deal with their offseason, get their uh, their progress plans in place, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, Benton, I'll start with you. All that being said, what do you think needs to change? Does anything need to change? What would you like to see happen in the Louisville City offseason? I think that we need to to find some some new blood that's going to kind of backfill some of these these older players that we've come to know and love. And you know, I think I'm okay with the idea of not there being wholesale changes. Like you phrased it, but I think it's going to really come down to what what all of our players roles come down to be. 
I, I, I just want to see us getting um, set up for success going into the future. And I still think there's kind of some needs. And I think even some of the younger players that we brought in the past few years, I'm not, I don't know if I'm completely convinced if a lot of them are, are going to be regular starters for us at, at any point. And I, that's, that's the kind of battling that I want to see. Like with these new players coming in, I want to see them being really competitive in terms of when you're writing up a team sheet, like they're one of the first names to go on there. You said there are some needs. Casey, what are the needs? What does Louisville City need to do in the offseason? What do they need to add? What kind of player? What kind of presence? What kind of role? What was this team missing? Offense. I guess is the question. So what offense? offense. <laughs> so you want to see them sign a goal scorer, a playmaker? What do you want to see them sign? Both. The big one, though, for me, I think is we need a true goal scorer. We need that go-to guy that is going to get the goal, that is going to create himself. Wilson Harris is a goal scorer, but I think he's an opportunistic goal scorer. I think he's the player that when the ball's bouncing around the box, he's going to put it in the back of the net. He's not going to be the guy that you can turn to and say, yes, Wilson Harris is going to get three goals this game. Like He might, but he's not going to be the one to go and create it. I think... If we're going to consider Jorge Gonzalez a wing player, and that's the role that he wants to play, then we need a playmaker. If not, then I think we need to get some depth on the wings because I think you have some players that are getting older, but I think we need a playmaker. And um, Gonzalez was also hurt a lot, so that hurt them as well. I think those are kind of the big ones, but I want a true, natural, go get em goal scorer. So along with that, one other thing I would like to see is is more depth for that outside back in this uh, in this system of kind of play. I felt like towards the end of the season, we didn't have very many injuries, thankfully, but Amadou Dia being out really kind of complicated things, mm. kind of forcing West Sharpie into a little bit more of a, a, a unnatural role playing playing outside back. So I wouldn't be – and also you have to keep in mind, Oscar's probably one of the older players on the team. If he's still in the next mix next season, he's what, like 34, I yeah. think? Mm-hmm. So That's um, correct. So I, I'm – I'm really hoping that there's somebody coming in for that. I don't want to see like a current player adapted to that. I want somebody who that's their really comfortable, like kind of natural position. Here's who we know is coming back here, who has publicly been announced as a player that is signed through 2024. It's only a handful, right? Sean Tosh signed through 2024. Amadou Dia signed through next season. Elijah Winder and Carlos Mogel Jr., both Academy products, signed through next year. And Martin Powell's signed through next year. That's according to Transfer Market. We've seen, I remember Amadou Dia's contract was announced. I think Tosh's contract was all announced, put out publicly. But according to Transfer Market, those are the players that are signed through 2024. I'm, I think Elijah's an option, but I don't expect him to go anywhere. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't. I, I mean, he's a young player who had a great year this year, a much better year this year. But the, the point I want to make, to answering the question that I asked you guys about what I want to see this Louisville City team do and sign, they need to get players that are going to make an impact in important positions to your point about kind of backfilling for some of those roles of older guys I've kind of pointed to him all year right as somebody who's been disappointing and I hate to keep pointing to him but I think he's just the perfect example of a player who you thought would be able to take the role forward and didn't do it I'm talking about Ray Serrano very talented young player shows immense skill at times when he's on the ball right has the ability to dribble through two or three players at a time and weave his way into a promising position and make things happen only 21 years old right came out of the Seattle Sounders organization in MLS had a lot of a lot of promise started some games last year scored some goals last year didn't score at all this year and took a big step back and at his age this is the time in his career where he needs to be taking big steps forward not just becoming a regular starter but becoming a regular scorer becoming a guy you can count on to be a contributor night in and night out week in and week out across the course of the usl season I'm not writing him off. I'm not saying they shouldn't re-sign him. I'm not saying that he can't be a great player in the future of his career, even next year. But he's a guy that this year it would have been nice. Would have been nice to see him kind of step into that role when Ombi was out injured. It's Ray Serrano's job to to win that position, and it just wasn't. He's just one example. And I picked on him a bunch this year, but I think he's just a perfect example of of the kind of player you want to sign a younger player, right? You want to sign somebody who's on the right side of 27. We'll say because you don't want to add another 30 year old to this group, right? But you can't yep. afford to sign a kid that's going to be 21 and not not take his opportunities and become a contributor on the team. I honestly thought you were going to say Rasmus Thelfson. 
I thought he was uh, he, he didn't really exactly advance his his. I don't disagree with like that I either. Thought that. I thought that was particularly disappointing. That's but I, but I think that, bar raisers. I think there's something about Tellison though. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because it was his first year in the team, right? I mean, Serrano played well last year at times as a young guy, and you thought, all right, hey, let's take another step forward in year two. Didn't happen. Let's take a timeout. We're overdue for a timeout. We will continue this conversation when we return about Louisville City's offseason, a very important offseason coming up in the championship window of this team. Again, with a lot of older guys who are on the wrong side of 30, um, can they extend the window another year further? What are the right moves to make in the offseason? We will continue that conversation. You can join us, 437-9680, or hit us up on Twitter at Soccer City Radio. You're listening to us here on ESPN Louisville. You're listening to Soccer City right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Jeff Milby and Benton Newman. Don't forget, we got uh, some national championship level soccer coming up at Lynn Family Stadium. The College Cup is coming into Butchertown. That's the national championship for men's soccer. It's going to be taking place on December 8th and December 11th, the national semifinals and the final. So it's the final four, if you want to think about it that way, um, from another, a, a different sport perspective. Tickets on sale. Uh, you can head to lucity.com and find your way to get into the door for that game. College soccer, they're in the conference tournaments right now. I was watching UofL get shelled last night by Clemson, unfortunately, for the Cardinals. Uh, but they've still got a shot to make the NCAA tournament and maybe make a run to play in their home city. We will see. Uh, so put that on your calendar. December 8th and 11th at Lynn Family Stadium for the College Cup National Championship of men's college soccer. We were talking about the offseason for Louisville City with this roster that I feel like that's the conversation I've had most with people out and about people who are Louisville City fans who know that I'm a loose city fan I'm involved in the way that I am hosting the show doing the games on the radio the conversation for since July since maybe even June has been what are they going to do in this offseason they got so many guys who are old this team is old this team is slow these are the things fans are saying right this team can't keep up anymore because of the age of the team. And so the the question then becomes, well, what's going to happen to some of these older guys? We mentioned Oscar Jimenez, club legend. Been around since 2017, 2017 it was. He wasn't on 2016, he was on 2017, right? But 34 years of age. Sean Tosh, second team all-league this year, but a guy that's getting up, in, up a little longer in the tooth, up in the age uh, range. Palado Piccolo, been the club captain since 2017. He's into his 30s now, right? On and on and on. Niall McCabe, on and on and on. You can name a lot of guys that are on the wrong side of 30. Um, it's going to be... Uh, an important offseason, I think, in terms of how Danny Cruz and the staff assesses those players and how they assess themselves, right? Do they have the ability to come in and play day in and day out? Sean Tosh has proved that he does, right? All-league level player all year last year. Played more games last year, Sean Tosh, than he has at any single season in his career, right, in terms of regular season games. So he clearly can still perform. But other guys, Cameron Lancaster, out of the lineup a lot because of injury. Can he? When he was there, he performed. We saw him in the playoffs. Scored a ton of goals in the playoffs. Was, for me, the biggest reason Louisville City made that run to the Eastern Conference Final because Lancaster found his goal-scoring touch once again. But can he do it consistently? Can he be healthy consistently at this age in his career, this stage in his career? Brian Ombi, kind of similar story, was as good as I've ever seen him against Detroit in the playoff game where they won 4 nothing. right? Scored a goal, had an assist, drew a penalty was hugely influential, hugely impactful. Can he stay healthy? Can he be a guy that contributes day in, day out over the course of a long season? Because this isn't a short sprint. This is we were, we were starting this up in, what, February, talking about preseason, and now here we are in November, and the season just ended. So it's going to be an important couple of weeks and an important offseason for the staff to evaluate these older guys and I think for them to evaluate themselves. Yeah, I think when, you, when, you're, when you're kind of doing this, math in your head or putting together this roster um 
you got to keep in mind their entire body of work. So don't get too fixated on like recency bias, for example, like some of these guys getting getting hot late, like think big picture that also future trajectory as well, because they're, they're not getting younger. And um, in some cases, that's good for some of these younger guys developing and growing and others. Not so much. You know, I think of a guy like Cameron Lancaster, for example, like, you know, again, like you said, really hot towards the end of the season. It was was a big help from for this team's push. But he's injured so often and, and missing in actions quite so frequently. Like, is something like that worth it? Um, on the other side, you got somebody like Oscar Jimenez, who I think probably raised his stock profile a bit over the season because of, uh, you know, with the, the growing prominence of the back three formation, he kind of found new life within the roster, yeah. uh, getting a more offensive-oriented role. So, um you know, it, it's going to be interesting. I could see this going a number of ways. I was entering this offseason fully expecting full sale changes, but we're kind of getting confirmation that's not going to be the case. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what roles that we bring in. And then all, the, the bigger question for me is the roles of the players that we do end up keeping. And particularly, I'm thinking some of these older guys, like do we start seeing a you know, very reduced role for them? Well, and I, I think they're going to have to be accepting of that role because I do think they are going to have to have a role change. It makes me think of like the U.S. Women's National Team and some of the players on that that really had to embrace a whole new role, a whole new identity. And I think that's going to have to happen with some of these older players. I think it's going to be a huge test for Danny Cruz. I think a lot of questions have been asked of him. He's been very fortunate to be able to have the quality of players that he's had, to be able to bring back as much talent as he's been able to. But I think this offseason is going to be some of the biggest decisions and biggest contract moves that we've seen him have to make and some of the hardest decisions I think that he's had to make. So a big test for him to see he's a young coach, he's a great coach, but it, can he have the hard conversations? Can he make the big decisions? Well, I think you really hit one of the nails on the head of the offseason there. This is not only a huge offseason for Louisville City in terms of keeping that championship window open, it's a huge offseason for Danny Cruz as a young head coach right he inherits this club that has been so successful he inherits this locker room that has a ton of guys that have been around a long time it's kind of a well-oiled machine at this point it kind of runs itself it feels like in a way I'm not trying to take away from anything Danny has done I think he's a really terrific coach has a bright future ahead of him but we will know the answers to those questions of how bright is the future how uh, how bright, uh, how talented is he as a head coach? We'll get some answers, I think, this offseason because he's going to have to either decide that some of these older players need to shift into smaller roles and find talented players that can fill those gaps on the roster. Um, and if he doesn't, let's say they bring back wholesale, uh, the, the the team wholesale, there's no, no mass exodus, right? They bring back the vast majority. And let's say they come stumbling out of the gate next year, kind of like they did this year. Let's say they don't really pick up any kind of goal scoring form until later on. How's May and June going to look with these Louisville City fans saying, why didn't they do anything in the offseason if this team performs like they did this year, Ben? Now, I think one thing to keep in mind is think back to the um, offseason heading into the 2022 season. It would have been very easy for, for, Coach, Absolutely. for Coach Cruz, who was entering his first offseason as a head coach, to largely keep that roster intact. Like, if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? But he went out and he made a bunch of changes, and we saw a lot of positive impacts, and we saw the run that that team went on that previous year. Now, you know, for for a variety of reasons, this season did not pan out the same with a lot of those same guys. But to hit, but I mean, the point I'm ultimately trying to make is that the recruiting potential is there, and it's work. But at the same time, this past season recruiting probably was not as successful. But I, I think you're you're right on it. I think the last off season, the off season heading into 2022, uh, for to for Danny Cruz's first year as the head coach, he showed a lot of ability and the club did I mean I'm, I know it's not just him doing the work right it's a lot of other people behind the scenes identifying players and having those conversations and signing contracts and all the rest but the club and Danny Cruz as as the point man on it showed a great ability of finding some talent bringing it in and that was a big reason why they had that successful run last year both in the regular season and all the way to the title game but how many of those guys those guys that we thought were going to bring in that next wave of Louisville City success Manny Perez Wilson Harris Ray Serrano who we've already mentioned Amadou Dia not really his fault because of injury but how many of those guys took step steps back this year 
I think a lot of them did. I mean, Wilson yeah. Harris scored only nine goals. Musha Galusa. Musha Galusa took a huge step back this year and was out on loan for a few months, right? He was he His impact was so lessened from last year that Lou City said, you know what, we're going to send you out on loan and bring in a center back, Kyle Adams, who was who was good. And, and I'm not saying that was a bad deal, but it's it just speaks to what level of step back that Musha Galusa took, just as an example. So there's another test of Danny Cruz's ability as a, as a coach is to – have the conversations with the older players, but be that kind of guiding figure, that that shepherd, if you will, to take these younger guys on and make sure their careers are heading in the right direction. Make sure they are blossoming as individuals and within the team. Because I'm not sure that that really happened over the course of this year with a lot of those guys that, that were breaths of fresh air in 2022. I think a lot of them kind of took steps back in 2023. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. I, like a, a lot of things that went well the season before did not go well this season. I think I think we saw two sides of the, of the same coin, right? Like of what what's possible, like in positive realm and, and also negatively. So, yeah, it's going to be wildly important that that he gets a lot of these decisions right, and that we maybe that the that the leaders of the locker room maybe do a do a stronger job of kind of imprinting that Louisville City mentality and, and fight. Because again, one of the most disappointing things to me this season was I think it was after the the New Mexico match. Uh, you know, Coach Cruz talking about players essentially just kind of like giving up or having excuses and just being, you know, essentially almost kind of like checked out. Yeah, that that, that really felt like the low point of the season. Now, to everyone's credit, they backed it up with a, a bad performance against Tampa Bay, but then backed it up with this playoff run, right? Yeah. But but that New Mexico game, I think, is the, the one that sticks out as but the that, low performance of the that year. Scare, that scares me, right? Because I'm sure this didn't just come up. This has just happened to be the first time that he was talking about with the media. I think he's... I think he's a patient coach, like working with his players. I mean, he's been in that, that shoot before, so I think he knows how to deal with these guys. But by the time he's saying something like negative like that to the media, you have to imagine it's been very much an ongoing problem. It's hit a point of frustration. Like, I need to do something to kind of kick them into gear and, and maybe a little bit of uh, you know, a, a, a broad public call-out. Was warranted, but I feel like that's something that I talked about a lot. Like when calling the games, was just the energy and the effort wasn't there for them a lot of times, yep. and I think it was apparent to a lot of fans. If you were watching the game, it didn't look like they wanted to win. It didn't look like they wanted to score. It right. didn't look like they wanted to do any of that, and that's what would make me so frustrated. Being a former player, looking through a player's lens and seeing that, that's really what made me angry. If you can't step on the field and bring it, you should not be anywhere near that field because there's a hundred other guys that would give their left arm to be on the team, to be playing in this field, in this situation. And so I think that's kind of the biggest thing that frustrated me this season. Oh, yeah. No, I, I yeah, I completely agree. And again, like it had to frustrate him to the point where he's like, telling the media, like some of these guys just aren't trying. I mean, never, no direct names were ever called out or anything, but that's, just, that's a tough pill to swallow. And that's the kind of mentality thing that needs to be instilled on all the players um, on the team, and I'm and I'm hoping if some of those guys didn't change their tune, you know, maybe you're reevaluating their their contract. Well, part of me wonders if this group, because they've had so much success and they've had so many guys that are around for as long as they've been, part of me wonders if they just thought they could turn it on at the end of the year and make the run in the playoffs that they did. Here's what I'll say about the run in the playoffs, because we talked about it last segment some, but this is how it feels to me. I, I think they kind of were just fortunate to make the run in the playoffs. I don't think yeah. it was because Louisville City was exceptional in the playoffs. I think the path for them was ext- exceedingly fortunate. You get Memphis on the road, a team that's that's a difficult team to play against, but look, you survive 120 minutes, you get through on penalties. You know, not an exceptional performance, but they got the job done to the point you made Benton. They found a way to win, found a way to advance. Then you get the biggest stroke of luck that's ever happened in the USL playoffs, and you get an inept Detroit team to come to your stadium in the second round of the playoffs a team that cannot score was the least scoring team in the league all regular season in Detroit and you thump them like you should you take them to the woodshed like you should and then you get back to an Eastern Conference final and suddenly it's well we've reached the benchmark of the club I don't know that's that's where I am I guess is where I'm landing on this season is yeah did they make it to an Eastern Conference final yes is that something we should celebrate absolutely is nine straight Eastern Conference finals a ridiculous run of playoff success a million percent nobody else in any sport has had any kind of run like this but there were so many cracks over the course of the long regular season that I don't think given how the playoff played out the opponents they got, the way they got them, I don't think you can call the season a successful season. And so that's why if, if, they, if they bring everybody back 
and they're not flying out of the gate next year and they look kind of slow to start and they lose their home opener against El Paso or whoever it happens to be next year and they get shellacked on the road at Sacramento like they did early on this year. I don't think Louisville City fans are going to be very happy. I don't think they're going to have that much grace to give to this organization right now despite all the success because they are victims of their own success. That's what I'm saying. I don't think I will be happy if come beginning of the season, majority of the roster is the same. I mean, in all honesty, like if they bring back this massive core and it looks the exact same, we're doing the same thing. Why are we trying to do the same thing? It didn't work. There was so many issues. I get bringing back a good core. I get that. That's fine. But because you, you want to keep the culture, you want to keep, keep the, the culture. culture. And I, I do think that there is hope for players. And I think it was just kind of an off time. But if majority of the team is the same and there isn't that many big changes happening, I don't even think I'll be happy from the start because you're just trying to wash, rinse, repeat, and it didn't work. Well, I, I, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for. A a few games into 2024 and kind of say... I'll be very skeptical. But but if, if they start like they did this year and we're into, you know, May talking about, well, this team hadn't had a multiple goal scoring performance. This team hasn't won back-to-back games all year, on and on and on. Back-to-back seasons of what we had this year, I don't know that many Louisville City fans will be satisfied. Yeah, Casey, I totally get where you're coming from. The one I'm going to... But personally, I'm going to be reserving judgment on you know on any sort of frustration about the roster if it's largely the same. When when I have a more clear picture of what the roles of the players are, true, right? like, very so, true. Again, you can keep a handful right. of them, these older guys or guys that are like clearly declining in talent. But you know, provided that they're like they're not regularly starting, right? Maybe more. I don't want to say emergency options, but they're they're coming off of a bench when you're up one or or two type of situation. Well, because back to like Ownby as a great example, when he's healthy, he's still as good as he's ever been. When he's healthy, he's still as good as he's ever been. He can go out there and win you a game almost single handedly, but he's in and out of the lineup because of health over the last couple of seasons has been that way. Just one example of uh, there have been a few guys. Lancaster is another great one. When he's healthy, like we saw in the playoffs, he's as good as he's ever been. He can still pop up and score a 35-yarder out of the blue like he's always been able to do, but he's not out there often enough to be a consistent contributor leading to consistent success. So they can bring all those guys back. I'm not going to dismiss the team if they bring all those guys back, but they've got to find the right pieces around them to make sure that when they are healthy, they can be successful, and when those guys are not healthy, they can still be a winning team and not a team that makes everybody pull their hair out. Well, I think in defense to that, though, they can bring them back, but they're still going to have to make roster changes. There's going to have to be quite a few people that they bring in to fill the places. Like They're not going to be able to go a whole game, so I may have to make sure I have backup options. And so that's fine if they're on the roster, but I want to see several new faces in the roster to fill those places because Brian Ombi's probably not going to be playing 90 minutes every game. Cameron Lancaster, if he does come back, he's not going to be. He's going to be putting in at the 60th minute to get that goal. So I want to see people backed up behind them. I want to see a lot of new faces coming in to make sure that we have the depth when we need it. If we are going to bring back such a big core, and if we don't have that depth, if we're not bringing in the new players, then that's when you can get concerned. That that I, I agree a lot more with. Ultimately, my, my biggest judgment is going to be like the, the the new additions, who we're bringing in, I guess what their resume is, and exactly what what roles that we can expect. To and see and also, I'll, I'll say it bluntly, also what their age is. <laughs> I, if they sign like a, a bunch of thirty two year olds. I, I don't know. The, the, that's not what the team... The look, team needs legs. The team needs juice. The team needs energy. Guys that are going to go out there and run their heart out for 90 minutes. I've talked with people about the club about this. They're not as naive about age as, as, as I think a lot of people are assuming. So I'm not concerned they're going to be going out and, and signing people my age. But I have to do, I'll go to open tryouts, though. Wait, they're going to sign you go! out of the open tryout, man. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, safe room for one old guy. All right, let's take our last time out. We haven't talked about racing yet. Uh, not a ton of news on their coaching search has been uh, released or made public whatsoever. Uh, but there is some TV deals we can talk about that, that applies to both the National Women's Soccer League and the USL. So that's coming up next. You're locked on Soccer City, right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Jeff Milby and Benton Newman. Final segment of the year 
on Soccer City. I, I assume we will return at some point, or the show will return in some fashion. Maybe, my, maybe not. My contract demands are pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> your agent, your agent is driving a really hard bargain. We've been talking for twenty twenty four. We haven't gotten any closer on this huge deal. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, we're back. If we are, we'll, we'll let you know, and uh, hopefully, you'll join us. Um, some things, some notes that we haven't gotten to yet. Um, Savannah DeMello, second team all in WSL, certainly deserved. Um, but expectations will take another step forward for her in 2024, I would say, right? She's now been a regular on the U.S. women's national team for the last couple of camps, dating back to the World Cup, played significantly the last camp that they played. Played like, I think, 70 minutes maybe or 65 minutes in a start in one of the games. Savannah DeMello uh, still just entering her third year as a pro. But like we talked about with some of those Loose City guys that are younger, you expect year-over-year growth. And so that becomes the question for Savannah DeMello. She's clearly the leader of this team now, right? You come into 2023, and there's lots of different faces on the poster, right? Coming into 2024, I think Savannah DeMello is, if not the biggest face on the poster, one of a couple of big faces on the poster. So that'll be the big question for her. Can she continue to improve? I love Savannah DeMello. Big fan of hers. And I think she just continuously gets better and better. And I think the more exposure she gets to the national team as well and playing against some tough competition, I think it's only going to help her and it's going to help racing. She's a she's a linchpin of this team. She's vitally important. Each year we've, we've seen gr- um, growth from her and I hope that trajectory continues for her because I think she succeeds, the team succeeds. Absolutely. You mentioned exposure to the national team. Well, uh, the entire league is going to be getting some more exposure next year, not just to the national team, but to the world. Uh, both leagues that we talk about on this show, the USL and the NWSL, recently within the last two days, signed new television deals. And the NWSL one is really interesting. There's going to be games all over the place. They're starting a Friday night on Prime Video game uh, every week. Every weekend of, of action in the NWSL will start with a Friday night primetime game on Prime Video. Then there's going to be a Saturday night doubleheader on Scripps Ion Network. I have no idea where the Ion Network is. Do not ask me on DirecTV. Don't ask me on Spectrum. I don't even think I get it on YouTube TV. I probably do, but I don't know. So you'll find games there. Then CBS is still going to have games. Paramount Plus is still going to have games. And then now we're adding in ESPN on ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN Deportes. Um, there's going to be games so all over the place for the NWSL next year. What do I need? You need what all of them. What do I need there's to make like, now? Why is there a learning curve to being a fan? I know. I, like, I feel like I had, okay, I got all my subscriptions down. I know where to find my games. And now they've just overcomplicated everything. And I'm going to start making lists. Casey, I, I, I saw something on Twitter between breaks. I think that's, that's going to help solve your woes. The ever insightful uh, Becky Morgan, who's... Oh. Of course. Been, been listening to uh, um, the Beerman, who's the uh, the commissioner of the league, uh, made note that all teams will be able to have local deals as well. Yeah. So, oh, good. So, like Louisville City, if you want to, if you want to, like, if you didn't have ESPN Plus, for example, you could still watch the local option. It's sounding like we haven't heard anything yet, particularly about racing, but it's sounding like you will have an option that is not every uh, subscription service. Listen, my grandpa will be very happy about that because he loves watching the games, but he can never figure out the subscriptions on how to watch it. So he'll be very excited. I don't blame him. You heard it, NWSL. Do it for Peepaw. Do it for him. Come on. Uh, the USL also signing a deal, and this is going to be a, a, a huge step forward for the USL, I think. I mean, the NWSL has been on network TV. They've been on TV a lot in the last couple of years. It's it's great to see them going to be on lots of different places. But the USL, they've been kind of relegated just to ESPN Plus nationwide, and they occasionally get a game on ESPN, occasionally get a championship game on ESPN. The championship final is going to be on ESPN2 this Sunday. Uh, but... The USL signed a deal with CBS, so there's going to be the championship final will be on CBS broadcast. Like like WLKY is going to have uh, the championship final on on network CBS television. There will be 20 games or so on the CBS Sports Network, and then CBS Sports Galasso, which is one of those. Uh, channels that streams on Paramount Plus, and I think it's on Pluto, a couple other places uh, that'll have some games on as well. So the point here is that the USL is going to be on Network CBS next year for the championship final and for a bunch of games, which is going to be really cool because we're going to see Lynn Family Stadium on Network TV more than likely, I would say. I like the convenience of like just having stuff on ESPN Plus, but I mean, 
my, my, you know, my personal preference aside, like this is a great move for the league. More money, more exposure. Saw online a, uh, a, a Tampa Bay Rowdies fan by the name of Mike Pendleton, who's been very engaged with the league for a while now. He noted that it was comparable to the MLS's deal that they had in 2014. And if you're talking in terms of trajectory and growth, I will absolutely take that. That is definitely a move in the right direction for the USL. So I'm happy. I'm happy about it. I mean, I have all these services, so I'll figure out how to watch these games one way or another. All right. We just got a couple of minutes left. So let's go to bold predictions for next year. Open it up to both teams, racing and loose city. Benton, you had one. Go ahead. My bold prediction is that Louisville City's leading goal scorer will be somebody who was not on the 2023 team. So they're going to sign a goal scorer. They're going to make Casey Whitfield happy. I really hope so. And sign a guy I that's going to score some goals offensively. Yep, they're going to find uh, they're going to find that goal scorer who's going to help propel us to the success that we know and deserve. Casey, you got a bold prediction for next year? I'll shadow that for racing. Okay. I think racing also, I mean, I think Davis has done great, but again, I think she's very opportunistic. I think she's been growing in that role, but I think they still need that true go-to, like Nadia Nadim in her prime. Like Nadia is wonderful. I love Nadia. I think she's one of the best players in the entire world, but she's getting older as well. So I think they need to find that. a couple big injuries, yeah. Exactly. They need to find that like superstar go-to player for a goal. And I think racing makes the play. Playoffs. Oh, it's, it's, I love they're it. They're making I the love playoffs. It. Racing is making the playoffs next year. All right. I'm, I'm kind of cheating. I, I don't know if it's cheating, but I'm using both teams to make my prediction. My prediction is that at least one game next year at Lynn Family Stadium is an honest-to-goodness sellout. Yes. An honest-to-goodness sellout. We've technically not sold the place out yet in three years of trying. I think whether it's a racing game, whether it's a Lou City game, my bold prediction for 2024 is a sold-out Lynn Family Stadium, maybe on network TV on CBS. What do you, what do you think, Benton? That'd be nice. Like, let's cap off the season with a, a full crowd final and, and lifting a trophy. Oh, that would like be beautiful. That, that would, would be bad. amazing. You, know, you extended it further to the final. Yeah. I like that a lot, too. Yeah, yeah let's do that. So are you? Are, are, is, is your second bold prediction that somebody's going to lift a trophy at Lynn Family Stadium next year? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Let's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, trophies well, Let's be an optimist. Wasted. I like yeah. it. Um, like well, uh, this is the last show for us. We've got just a couple of minutes to go. Uh, it's been really cool doing the show with you this year, Benton and Casey, when you've been on and doing the games with you, obviously. Uh, but, you know, this was kind of Benton's thing, and, and they threw me in, and Benton was very welcoming to me all year long. Oh, and I've, I've, really enjoyed, uh, I've really enjoyed having the show with you, man. I'm, I'm just a steward of this show, another, uh, another person of a, of a list who helps guide it and conduct it and share our, our thoughts and whatnot but it's been an absolute pleasure doing it and i'm just i'm completely honored that i get the opportunity to do this and i'm just i'm always so happy to step into the booth so we got uh racing louisville and louisville city both in the off season both looking ahead to 2024 uh it's been a great 2023 we hope you've enjoyed it we hope you spent some time with us over the course of the year and maybe we'll be back in 2024 with soccer city we will see certainly we'll be back on the air with racing louisville and louisville city fc thanks so much see you next year happy holidays happy thanksgiving and thanks to spence for all his help all year long thomas marauders looking for a rewarding career One that empowers you to serve your community, change lives, and reach your fullest potential? Become a correctional officer for the Kentucky Department of Corrections and earn up to $28.30 an hour with great benefits. Help create a better, safer Kentucky. Apply today for a correctional officer position in your community at careers.ky.gov. That's careers.ky.gov. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Looking for extra cash this holiday season? You can make competitive pay as a day shift warehouse worker at UPS Worldport right here in Louisville. Learn more and apply today at upsjobsky.com. That's upsjobsky.com.